Holy Spirit to fill this place, um, to, to bring his anointing, not only on Abby as she leads worship, on Mark as he speaks, on, on those who have a, a specific role, Lord, but on each one of us that we might bring to you the worship that you deserve, that we might worship you in spirit and in the truth, and that we might um, have our ears and our hearts and our minds opened to what you have to say to us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Yeah. Over to you, Abby. If you would like to stand and join me as we worship Jesus. Can't hear me. That's, that's good I'm speaking because then we're getting uh, the sound levels. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can you hear me now? Is that, yeah? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
As the Spirit leads you, feel free to sing or speak out your own words of praise. History, from maybe even history of of these last few days, some of us may be able to say, yes, I saw a miracle. We saw you moving your power, oh Lord. And we pray that we may be a people with great expectancy to, to see the move of your Holy Spirit, Lord. In anticipation, may we come to you with grace. Your grace, Lord, will be sufficient. And your and faith, Father, a gift of faith that we may be people who reach out to you and say, we want the people of this world, the people of this town, the people of this community to know that you are a mighty God who works miracles in these days. In Jesus Messiah's name, amen. Some words responding to Psalm 51. Save us, Lord, according to your steadfast love. Cleanse us from our iniquities. Our sins testify against us, and we know our transgressions. We are no longer worthy to be called your sons. We all live the desires of our body but from the lord comes wisdom knowledge and understanding let us reason together though our sins be maybe as, as scarlet they could be as white as snow those ransomed by the lord shall rejoice with joy and singing for the lord's hand is upon them all the ends of the earth shall remember this and hopefully turn to the lord amen such music are those that bring the good news. Proclaiming peace, news of happiness. Because our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Amen. 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 I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my veins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocently, so uh, will I com uh, compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honour dwell. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk, mine in, walk in mine integrity, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place in the congregations. I will bless the Lord. God, he reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Power.
Yes, Lord, we thank you that you are awesome. We thank you that you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, the light in our darkness. Thank you that you are our rock, you are our salvation. Just the list goes on and on and on. It's as endless as, as you are, as all-encompassing as, as you are. And we just thank you, our awesome God but an awesome God who loves each one of us, who cares for each one of us individually. How can we even understand that, Lord? We just thank you for who you are. Amen. It's uh, time to go to Sparks now. Um, have a good morning. And if we could take up the offering, please. It's, uh, yeah, you know, we often at this, this uh, point in the service, um, you know, we, we don't have to stick rigidly to plans, but I, I think it is good to include um, a time of intercession. Um, there's just so much going on in individuals' lives and in our nation, in our world. So many areas where um, God is needed and he tells us to bring our prayers and our petitions, our requests to him. And so... Um, I invite you now as, as the Spirit leads to speak out or in your heart um, present your, your requests, um, your intercession to, to God. Thank you that you know what needs to be done and we just pray that there will be an end to the war in Jesus' name, that lives will stop being taken and that you would just bring peace, Lord. I just pray that whoever needs to, to rise up and take a stand in the areas they're working in, Lord, I just pray that you give them the confidence and the boldness that, that they will rise up for what is right, what is just, what is true, what is holy, Lord. And I just pray that you strengthen the people Lord, on every side, that there, there will be encounters with you, Lord, as father, as friend, as king of kings, as lord of lords. Lord, we thank you that that you love people and that your heart breaks for people. And I just pray that over those people on, on every side that, that you would save them, Lord, that you would save them not just um, physically, but also that they would become believers, that they would come to know Jesus, that you are the son of the living God, that you died and rose again. And I just pray that there will be a, a revelation just poured out on the people, that they will know that you are God, you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, and you are their Father, and that you love them. And we just ask you to strengthen the churches in those areas. Every church that is coming under oppression and opposition, we just pray that there will be a strength and a confidence and a boldness that you pour out your joy on them Lord it's it's I can't even imagine what it would be like but Lord I just know that you say the joy of the Lord is our strength so we just pray that you 
fill your people with joy, with hope, that there is hope for tomorrow, that it isn't a, a hopeless situation, but that there is hope and that you have won the victory in this, you have won the victory, Lord, that you have won the victory. And we just declare that over your people, Lord, your children, that they would encounter you as father and that you would fill them with your joy, a joy that doesn't waver in Jesus name. Amen. Lord God, it's easy to become despondent when we listen to the news, watch the news on television, Lord. There's, there's just so much. We see record-breaking hot temperatures, fires, um, floods, all sorts of things, Lord. So much inequality. Just think of uh, just this week seeing starving children in Sudan while... I think virtually next door there's people willing to spend millions of pounds on a footballer and it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem right lord um and it's not the way you want it to be and there's just so many occasions where we think how can i make a difference there's just so much that's that's not right but lord we thank you that nothing's impossible with you and we thank you that you care for each one of your your children those who know you and those who don't. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would show your sovereign power in, in all the situations where you're needed, Lord. And there are so many. But we thank you that you do care and that you are all-powerful. And Lord, we thank you for everything that you've given us. And we, we do ask for your blessing on the offering. We ask that you would guide us in in how to use um, what we give back to you lord in jesus name we ask amen well we're going to be hearing now uh, from psalm 51 mark's going to come and speak to us in a minute um it's the the next in our series in praying the psalms so have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge surely I was sinful at birth sinful from the time my mother conceived me surely you desire truth in the inner parts you teach me wisdom in the inmost place cleanse me with hyssop and i will be clean wash me and i will be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones you have crushed rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity create in me a pure heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors, transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. 
You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Father God, there are so many um, parts of that psalm that uh, are probably familiar to, to many of us. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for leading Mark as he prepares, uh, or as he has prepared during this, this last week. And uh, we ask for your anointing on him as he comes to bring your word and your anointing on us. May we be hearers and doers of the word. Amen. So, um, yeah, Psalm 51. The, um, the series on Psalms we're uh, looking at is based on a book uh, called Praying the Psalms. And uh, the title for Psalm 51 is, is Praying Our Sin. I don't think it's any coincidence that Martin's given me this one and he's away. <laughs> I think I've drawn the short straw a little bit. But actually, no, it's, um, it's a really interesting psalm. And uh, it, as Alison says, it's a psalm that we all probably know very well. Uh, last week, if anyone was here, Martin was talking about singing the psalms. Um, and I never forget when I was about nine or 10 at the church I was attending at the time, we put on a production of the life of David and, and I played David. Um, and I had to sing this psalm. We probably all know the song, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. It, it's a very old, well, 50, 45 years old now. So shows my age, sorry. Um, but I was a little bit, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't filled with joy when I was given this psalm to preach on, shall we say? Um, but actually, when I got into it, it, it was really good. Um, but praying our sin, when I read and reread the psalm, it seemed to be more to me a study in repentance, which is why. Uh, I, that's what I, I titled it. But I, I suppose if you're looking at repentance, we have to look at sin, don't we? We, we can't ignore sin. Repentance is all about our sin. Um, so this morning, I want to look at repentance, what repentance is and what repentance does. But before we do that, I thought it might be useful to have a look a bit at the background of this psalm. Why did David write this psalm? Now, many of us will know the story, but there may be some who, who really don't. So um, the count is given in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And to paraphrase, um, David sent his armies off to war. And they're under the command of a guy called Joab. But David didn't go himself. And this was unusual for the time because normally a king would lead their army into war and they would fight with their troops. But on this occasion, David stayed behind. And one night when he couldn't sleep, he got up and went for a walk 
on the uh, roof of the palace. And as he looked out, he saw a woman called Bathsheba. And she was bathing on the roof. Now, to cut a long story short, David liked what he saw. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he sent for uh, Bathsheba. And one thing led to another. And Bathsheba got pregnant. And as if this wasn't bad enough, David had already been told that she was married and that her husband, Uriah, was off fighting the war that David himself should have been fighting. So there was a problem. David wanted to cover up his sin. So what he did was he called Uriah back from the war and called him to the palace and he told him to go and be with Bathsheba. But Uriah was an honorable man and he refused to do that while his comrades were still fighting in the battle. So that was a, another problem. And David had to come up with another plan. So what he did was he sent Uriah back to the battle. And uh, he told the commander, Joab, to put him on the front line where the fighting was worse. Uh, and then to withdraw and leave Uriah there so he would certainly be killed. And that's what Joab did. And Uriah died. David took Bathsheba as his wife. David thought he'd managed to get away uh, with it. He'd managed to cover up his sin. And he had, hadn't he? He'd gotten away with it. But no, God saw and God knew. God knew what David had done. And he was displeased. 2 Samuel 11 Verses 27b or 16, uh, 26, 27 says, When Uriah's wife heard her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And after the time of mourning, David had her brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Now still, Nothing happened for about a year. David carried living, on living in his life and no one found out about what he'd done. Or at least no one said anything about it because he was a king, wasn't he? So that would have been a bit. Um, anyway, so he really had got away with it, hadn't he? Until Nathan, the prophet, shows up. Nathan, sent by God, told David a story. Now, if Jesus had told this story, we'd have called it a parable. Um, but Nathan told this story, and very briefly, the story was to, of two men, one rich, one poor. The rich man had everything a man could possibly de desire, big house, lots of livestock, cattle, everything. The poor man had virtually nothing. He had his family and one lamb that he'd raised from a baby and it was part of the family. It was, it lived in the house with him. It slept with him. He loved it. It was everything to him and it was the only lamb he had. Now one day, the rich man had a visitor. 
and he was so greedy that he didn't want to use one of his own livestock for the feast because he wanted to, to create a, uh, have a feast for the visitor. So what he did was he stole the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the feast instead of one of his own. At this, David was outraged. He said the man should be put to death for his crime. Uh, in 2 Samuel 12, 15, it says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. Nathan turned to David and said, the rich man is you. At this, the penny dropped. David was cut to the quick. He hadn't got away with it because God saw what he had done and was not pleased. So David, so where did David go from here? In his own words, he deserved to be put to death for his sin. So where did he go? Where did David go? He went back to God. So David wrote Psalm 51 in response to his sin and as a prayer of repentance. The, the Psalm affirms God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, his covenant, and it pleads for forgiveness. So before, so what we're going to do is look at repentance. What does repentance do for us and what repentance is? First of all, what is repentance? I had a quick look in, in a couple of dictionaries. Uh, and the first one was the Collins Dictionary. And Collins Dictionary defines repentance as to feel sorry or self-reproachful for what, what one has done or failed to do, to be conscience-stricken or contrite. But I don't think that's really a very full description of what repentance is. Repentance isn't just feeling sorry for what you've done, is it? So I looked at another dictionary, the Oxford Reference Dictionary, and that has a much fuller description that says, the acknowledgement and condemnation of one's sins, coupled with a turning to God. It includes sorrow for the sin committed, confession of guilt, and the purpose of amendment. So repentance is not just being sorry for the things we've done. Repentance is active. It's not only turning from our sin, but it's turning to God. True repentance is not just saying sorry to God, but it's an active intention not to do it again. Now, we might not all be 100% successful in that. Um, I know I'm not. But it's actually to do with your attitude, an attitude of heart. And when we turn to God, it demands a change in our lives, our behavior, our minds, doesn't it? Paul writes in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, again, another very, very well-known passage. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this can only be done by an active change of direction in our lives, intentionally turning towards God and asking the Holy Spirit to help us. Repentance is the foundation, or one of the foundations, of the Christian faith, isn't it? It's mentioned over 60 times in the New Testament. And according to Mark's Gospel, it was the first thing that Jesus said as he started his ministry after being tempted in the wilderness. In Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. This, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, for most of us, this is probably not anything new. But I think sometimes we take repentance and the forgiveness of our sins and the grace of God a little bit lightly, don't we? Maybe we're a little bit complacent about our lives and our sin because we know that God will forgive us. We, a lot of us have been brought up telling us that God will forgive us. So we, uh, we, we don't take it that seriously. Maybe we confess our sins with the wrong attitude without thinking about the true cost of sin and the price that was paid for our forgiveness. That price is the death of Jesus on the cross. David didn't take his repentance and his sin lightly. Now maybe, and I hope, you haven't committed murder or adultery. Um, but in God's eyes, sin is sin, isn't it? Every sin is falling short of the standard that God sets. So all sin deserves to be punished. David didn't take his sin lightly. Verses 1 to 4 show how seriously he took it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. David didn't try to make excuses for his sin or cast the blame onto anyone else. And I know I've done that in the past and, and I'm sure maybe we all have. I've tried to excuse my sin by blaming the cause of my sin on someone or something else. My prayer might go something like this. Dear God, 
I'm really sorry for what I did. And I really, really will try not to do it again. But actually, it really wasn't my fault because so-and-so did this. And it really upset me and made me really angry. And that's why I did what I did. So I am really sorry, but it wasn't really my fault. Let me tell you, that's a load of garbage. <laughs> my sin is my sin. It's no one else's. It's not a result of what someone else has done. It's a result of the choices that I make. David recognized his sin as his own. He identified it and, and, and identified with it and he hated it. His prayer could have gone something like this, couldn't it? Dear God, I'm really sorry for sleeping with Bathsheba. But it really wasn't my fault. She shouldn't have been up on the roof naked, should she? I'm only a man, you know. <laughs> and I'm really sorry that Uriah died. But that wasn't really my fault either. Because if he'd only done what I told him to and gone back to Bathsheba, everything would have been okay. And he wouldn't have had to die. So you see, none of it was really my fault. But I am really sorry. He could have prayed like that, couldn't he? But he didn't. He identified with and admitted his own sin. He says, my sin, my transgression, my iniquity. David knows that there's no hiding place with God. And he admits he's done evil in God's sight. First and foremost, his sin was against God. Not against Bathsheba and Uriah, it was against God. And actually, every sin that is ever committed is committed against God. Sin happens because we love something else, another person, another thing, another object, a goods or chattels, a car, whatever it might be. We love something else more than we love God. That's what sin is, isn't it? Putting other things before God. So true repentance starts when we stop making excuses, when we personalize our sin, realizing the true cost and consequences of our sin, and we start hating our sin as we turn away from it. And where do we turn? We turn back to God as David did, because if we don't, if we turn away from our sin and we don't turn to God, where else would we turn? We'd just end up turning to another sin, wouldn't we? So we have to turn back to God. But sometimes it's not that easy, is it? Sometimes I don't find it that easy. I'm sure all of us, have you ever felt afraid to turn to God in repentance. I know I have. When you've sinned, particularly if it's a, a repetitive sin, something that seems to have a hold on your life, and uh, you've come to God once and he's prayed and you've repented and you've turned away from your sin and you end up doing it again. You feel like 
you've let God down. And there's no way he'll forgive you again because you've done the same thing again. And last time you said, I won't ever do that again. And you did. So you're a little bit scared, a little bit worried about going to God. Feel condemned, don't you? But this is a lie of the enemy. We need to understand how much God loves us. David was not afraid to turn to God because he understood God's love for him. Listen again to verses, uh, to verse one. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. David understood how much God loved him. And he wasn't afraid to turn back to God. And neither should we be. Whatever we've done, however many times we've done it, God is waiting for us to come back to him. David understood God's compassion, his mercy, his love, the love of a father. In repentance, God doesn't abandon us, but he heals us. We sang it in Waymaker. He's healing every heart. Yeah? God wants to heal us. And he does that through repentance. As we go deeper into repentance, we actually become closer to God. And we can see God more clearly. It's a bit like when you get in a car in the morning, particularly a winter morning, and the windows are all steamed up, aren't you? Aren't they? You can't really see out. You can't see very clearly. But when you turn the fan on, or if you've got a fancy car, one of these heated window things, the window starts to demist, doesn't it? And you can see clearly through the window. This is what repentance does for us. Our sins block our view of God. Repentance allows us to see God more clearly and brings us closer to him in a relationship with him. Because repentance is all about grace. It's all about what God has done for us, not about what we've done for God. It's about the gospel. The message of the gospel is this. Jesus tells us, I know you've sinned, but I still love you. And actually, I've paid the penalty for the things that you've done wrong. Nothing can separate you from my love and the love of the Father. So if we believe the gospel, we don't need to feel condemned over our sin. Condemnation is another lie of the enemy. Paul writes in, again, another very well-known passage, uh, Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We're never condemned by the Holy Spirit. We're convicted of our sin by the Holy Spirit, which draws us back to God in repentance. 
but we're never condemned. God wants a relationship with us. And the only way for us to experience the love of God and that relationship is to come to him in repentance. Just as David did. We can't earn our relationship with God. It's a gift of grace. There is nothing that we can do to make God forgive us or to make God love, love us. God's love is unconditional and his grace is unending. It's so great that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he raised him again three days later to life to defeat death once and for all so that we can have eternal life in heaven with the Father. All we have to do is come to Jesus, admitting that we've sinned, repenting of that sin and turning to God. And in his grace and mercy, he will forgive us and welcome us into his family as adopted children. So, if you're already a Christian, and want to feel closer to God, maybe you've been feeling a bit distant, a bit, I don't know, cut off. If you want to feel closer to God, come to him in repentance. You will see more clearly how much he loves you. Don't be afraid. Because he loves you. That's what he wants you to do. But if you've not made that commitment yet, if you've not become a Christian yet, maybe today's the day. If you've been feeling guilty about something, if you've been feeling discontent, if you've been feeling like there's something missing in your life and you're trying to fill it with all sorts of different things, that's the Holy Spirit calling you to Jesus calling you to repentance. And if you want to experience a love like no other love you've ever felt before, come to Jesus today and he will give you his love, his joy, his peace that is beyond understanding. Thank you, Mark. And I know that uh, Tony will empathize with you about being given thorny subjects when Martin's away. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I wonder if we could perhaps just have a, a time of quiet, um, time of reflection, um, where we can ask God's Spirit to, to shine his searchlight on, on our lives, on our hearts, and uh, see whether there is anything that's, that we need to, to confess to God and uh, to repent from. Um, so in, in the quiet, let's, let's do that now. Whenever I hear those verses about making us washing as white as snow, I, I, I think of the time a good number of years ago now, but there, there had been a, a fresh fall of snow and the door to our house is white, our garage door is white. And 
you know, I, th I thought they were a nice, bright, brilliant white until that fresh ball of snow came and you could see the contrast. And it, I just thought, yeah, when you think of the blinding white of, of a fresh ball of snow, that's how, how white um, God can, can wash our sins away um, when, when we turn to him in repentance. Lord, we know deep down that there's no point in hiding things from you. And yet, like David, we, we often try. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit will show us the areas um, where we need to, to repent, need to come to you. And as Mark has said, it's not that you condemn us, but it's to convict us of sin and turn us back towards you. Thank you that uh, you may have shown us things here and now this morning. Thank you that if we ask, you will continue to show us things in the, the days and weeks ahead. Lord God, would you help us to recognize where we are sinning against you and to turn from that sin, to turn towards you, to receive your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. Amen. Abby, would you lead us in our closing song?
And thank you, Lord, that you promise that when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. Lord, I just thank you for that amazing grace, for your love for us. Lord, if we're tempted to forget who you are and what you've done for us, would you remind us every day, Lord? Remind us of the, the debt that we owe you. But may we live our lives not in guilt, not in con condemnation, not out of duty, but out of love for you, because you first loved us. Amen. Amen. So do please um, 